Good Monday once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU TV studios in Provo, Utah, for another edition of The Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's broadcast, we have with us BYU's offensive and special teams coordinators, Jeff Grimes and Ed Lamb, to help us look back on BYU's last game and preview the week ahead. And as always, we invite your questions for the coaches. Make sure you use the hashtag CCBYU. And we'll check out some social media later in the show. We begin today's broadcast by welcoming in BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Jeff, good to see you again. Good to be back. So uh, first up, before we get to the Cougs' big win over Boise State, which is a week and a bit ago, uh, BYU coming off a second bye week now in the span of three weeks. With both these open weeks you've had, uh, you've been dealing with a very fluid situation at quarterback. Yeah, and not only at quarterback, but several several different positions, which has been a challenge for us, but good time uh, to at least have a little bit of time to to let some guys recover from injuries, hopefully, and, and build some depth. You didn't have Jaron Hall for the Boise State win. Uh, he had yet to clear concussion protocol. Is he back and good to go for this week? Uh, should be, yeah. Based on what we're seeing at this point, we do believe he'll be ready to go for this week. Now, since Jaron was the starter before he got knocked out of the USF game in Tampa, is he back to being the guy this weekend at Utah State, or are he and Baylor Romney in competition mode right now? Yeah, we haven't decided yet. Both of those guys have done some good things at various times, and so we said we would let that decision uh, play itself out and use use the practice time to be part of that decision. And that's the thing, because both guys in their first starts had good games. Yeah, both of them done positive things, So, and, and both of them bring positive things to the table. So, And both are good team guys. And so uh, if you could start both, you'd start both, I think. But uh, that's not really um, feasible, at least within our offense. And you've said on this broadcast before, you've been on teams maybe just somewhat tongue-in-cheek. You've, you've been on teams with no good quarterbacks. Now you've got multiple good quarterbacks. That's a good situation to be in. No question about that. I've been on teams where, um, where we didn't have any as good as some that we have. And then I've been on others where if your starter gets knocked out, you're in trouble. Um, most teams I've been on have been that that way, and certainly most have been if you're down to number three, mm. you're in real trouble. So I was really proud of Baylor and really proud of our of our of our group in general of the team. We were down a number of guys at, at three key positions, quarterback, offensive line, and running back. And so to have that many new faces step in and play such critical roles, I thought was a really positive thing for them and our team. So without the number two, Jaron Hall, with the number three, Baylor Romney at quarterback, BYU welcomed in 14th-ranked Boise State to Provo nine days ago. Cougs get the 25, uh, 28-25 win. Second time this year that BYU beats a ranked team at home, and that's the first time that's happened in school history. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but yeah. it was a good thing for sure. Yeah. yeah, number 24 USC, number 14 Boise State. And uh, heading into the bye weekend, there were only eight teams uh, nationally, we had multiple wins over ranked teams this year, and BYU is one of those eight. The number's up to 12 now, but either way, some really good company. All right, so you didn't have, as you said, your top two QBs available. Uh, you'd already lost to Tyson Williams, and Emmanuel Asupa just got a, maybe a single snap. He got in late. He, he's, he's got a, uh, a foot-slash-toe injury that he's been dealing with and has not been full speed for some time. Hopefully that bye week did him some good last week. But, yeah, he really... He could have played if we had to have him, but the but the condition he was in was was not um, one that would put him in front of the other guys, and so we were down both of those actually. And then we've been down linemen. We had four linemen out for the game, and so 
Blake Freeland got his first start. Um, Clark Barrington got his second, and so we were we were really down a number of guys. But like I said, proud of how those guys stepped up, and I think everybody that that played contributed. And we saw a number of guys. You know, one of the things we talk about in coaching is whether the moment will be too big for someone or not. You really don't know until you put them under the lights. And I think with with everyone who played, they showed that they were ready. So you throw all those personnel components you just mentioned together, then you add to it a very tenacious Boise State defense, and you find a way to get a big win, uh, a real testament to the evolving depth on this team and, and the game's not being too big for a lot of guys. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that says that, that the future is bright, that we've got a lot of good young players, and I think it, it speaks to our team. One of the things I talked to the offense about specifically on Saturday was um, – other teams who had been in similar positions that I've been a part of. Um, I referenced Stanford when they played Washington earlier in the season. They only had six offensive linemen dressed for that game, and they had one of their five starters go down during the game, so they played all six of those who dressed. And um, I said in order for that sort of thing and some of the things that I, that I referenced in my own career to happen, what has to be the case? And the first comment they made was, well, those guys have to believe. And I said, that's true, but what else? And then I think it was Zach that said their teammates have to believe in them. And I said, that's right. Other people have to believe in those guys who are going in the game. And so I think it's a testament not only to them, but to the overall camaraderie and strength of our unit. Let's look back in some uh, detail to the game against Boise State. You're down 10-7 at the break. Then you totally turn the game in the third quarter. You snap only 11 plays in that quarter, but for 21 points and almost 200 yards. We should call those plays more. <laughs> whatever, play, whatever plays we call that quarter, if we scored on three out of 11, let's do those more, right? Well, the scoring plays in the third quarter were a long uh, Finau touchdown run. And by the way, um, how nice to see Sione Finau get his first touchdown as a Cougar. I'm so proud of that kid. He... Um, you know, last year was a freshman and just wasn't quite ready, still getting bigger and stronger, learning the offense, and um, at times dealt with being a freshman and frustrated like so many good high school players that come into a college program, That his, his long touchdown there. Um, but, uh, but this year has just worked so hard, hard, had a positive attitude every day, and so I, I knew he was going to be primed for a breakout game before long, and so, yeah, I'm really proud of him. The other two touchdowns in that third quarter were each uh, touchdown passes to Matt Bushman, and both plays are worthy of some additional discussion. First up, the fourth and one call from the Boise State 27 to Matt. Yeah, so this is this is a play that, that we put in. We've discussed it as an offensive staff a few times. It's a play that I actually learned in a roundabout way from, from the Boise State um, coaching tree. You know, I coached at Boise State in 2000. Um, left Dan Hawkins became the head coach and then I joined Hawk at Colorado with a number of guys um, several of which who are on Harson's staff at Boise right now a play that we ran at Colorado was the fourth down play that we ran to Matt and it's a play that had its origination at Boise State maybe it was before that but it's where I learned it and um so it was kind of funny to call that play against Boise, but I felt like it would be there because of their aggressive nature on short yardage. On third and fourth down, they're a very aggressive zero coverage team, and so I felt like it would have an opportunity. And was there a little bit of an element of deception on that play right at the start? Yeah, yeah, yeah there was, and um, and I thought Baylor did a good job, you know, and, and we have not been an under center team a lot this year, and when we had in the previous game, we'd had a couple of quarterback sneaks, and so... We made it look like that, and like he may have dropped the ball a little bit, and uh, Matt simulated a block and then and then popped open. And so um, 
I thought it. I thought the players executed it um, to perfection. Yeah. So you score there. You're rolling a bit. Then really key. The next series, it's a Jackson Kafusi pick, and you take only two plays to get right back in the end zone. This time it's a little reverse flea flicker from the 39 yard line. Yeah, a play that we ran and and had a, had a great play on it earlier in the season. And um, this is a play that A Rod brought to our staff, and um, he he's used it when he was uh, at other places, and we've looked at other other teams run. This same play, we watched Arizona State run it on film, Texas Tech run it on film, and so it's a it's a good play that you can that you can call more than once in a season. Like I said, this was number two for us, and um, it's not one you can use every week, but it's one you can pull out every four or five games. And I thought I saw a very similar play run by the Rams yesterday in their game in London to Cooper Cup. By the way, Goff to Cup. It was reminiscent on the other side of the field. Fun oh, yeah. play, a productive play, and uh, one that. Uh, had Matt Bushman onto a big night. Uh, team high five catches, team high nine targets, two scores. You lead your team in receptions and receiving yards now, as he has for each of the last two seasons. And not coincidentally, uh, Matt Bushman was your offensive player of the week for the Boise State game. Yeah, obviously he made some big plays. Um, he did some other things behind the scenes that most people wouldn't notice. Just his blocking, I thought, was improved. And um, and really had some difficult blocks at times with, with some really talented uh, defensive ends that they have who play really physical against the run, and I thought Matt did a nice job for the most part in that regard. And so, yeah, proud of the way that he played, and really feel like he's he's emerging not only as uh, you know, obviously he's been a playmaker um, here for for three years now, but mm-hmm. I think he's a, an emerging leader on our team, and really has grown in that regard as well. When the time comes for him to consider next level, how much do the uh, the, the pros concern themselves with? the blocking component of a tight end who's such a good receiver? I think it depends on the team and and what they're looking for. You know, some want a guy um, who can do both. Some will take a guy who's a great receiver and doesn't block much in college and just say, well, we can get him to be efficient enough in the the blocking portion of the game. Um, I think everybody uh, wants tight ends who can do both. Um, Each team may just put a different... Um, a different weight Emphasis on either on part it. of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Matt's a next level guy? Certainly. Yeah, I think he is. Um, I think he, he's he's got um, as good, if not better, ball skills than anyone I've been around. And I think he's become a better blocker. And I also think he's really worked hard this year on his route running. Um, you know, and that's something that's that's undervalued a lot. Uh, the ability to to get off of coverage, and that's something that's that's important for him and going to be even more important because people don't want to just let him come open. They just don't don't let guys like that beat them very often. Often he'll get double coverage, or if they have a guy who's good enough that they think can play a man, then they'll press him with that guy, particularly when he's split out, and, and see if that guy can keep him getting off the line. And so I think he's evolved um, this year in, in those other two phases of his game. Have you coached any college tight ends who are a similar comp to, uh, to Matt? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, a little different skill set. Okay. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention briefly uh, how BYU sealed the deal to end the Boise State game. It was the return of scrum formation. Uh, fourth and less than a yard to move the chains and lock it down. Austin Kefensis on the keeper first. The discussion, if you can bring us into that, of whether to go for it at that position of the game or, uh, or punt it away. Yeah, obviously that was a that was a key decision. But honestly, I, I really don't think Kalani ever considered anything else. I think he knew in his mind what he wanted to do right there, and I think that shows his confidence in our team. 
in in not only the players who were touching the ball at that moment, but I think it's it's um, that play is representative of of the way that he believes in our team. And then there are different ways to get fourth and, and less than a yard. Uh, why is scrum a good a good call there, or the right call in this case? Well, I think it's I think you have a number of things going for you there. You have a a guy who's um, who's very confident with the ball in his hands in Austin. You've got a big group of guys on the field, guys like Kyrus Tonga and who, guys who, Diane Gualanclu, who's one of our best players involved. So you get those guys involved, get put your best players on the field and let them go, let them have an opportunity to go win the game. Peyton's also in that mix, right, Wilgar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. on that wing at least, yeah. All right, good stuff. That's how it ended up. Uh, break time, folks. We want a reminder that uh, BYU football with Kalani Sitake is on tomorrow night, Tuesdays. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific on the BYU TV app. Then watch it on BYU TV at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. More with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes is coming up next. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We are brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Option left, Finau. Finau's got room to run. Finau second level, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. Things open up, and there he goes. 10-5, touchdown! Sione Finau! We are back in the coordinator's corner with BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. BYU now 3-4 and four on the season after a 28-25 home win over Boise State nine days ago. Next up, it is Utah State Saturday in Logan. More on that game coming up a little later. Some leftovers from this last game. And, uh, and back to Baylor Romney, a coach who's making his first career start, as we discussed. And of the freshmen to have started a game at quarterback for Kalani Sitake, uh, Baylor had the most passing yards at, uh, at 221, ended his day with a pass efficiency rating of about 155. And anytime you get north of 150, you're likely to win that game. Uh, how did Baylor perform overall for you? Overall, very well. Again, um, especially considering uh, the situation that he was placed in against a really good team, um, a team that I think is well-coached. And so I, I thought he, I thought he did a tremendous job. Certainly, uh, like I would have said about Zach or Jaron and other games, probably a couple of plays he'd like to have back. But overall, really pleased with what he did in his first start. Watching just his post-game uh, press conference at the podium. He's pretty chilled out. Is that how this guy is? He is. Now, the very first play of the game, I don't know if you noticed, there was a miscue <laughs> in the backfield. Yeah. He's got the wrong way on the handoff. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I walked, uh, he came off the field afterwards, <laughs> and I said, hey, of course, it was a good first series at right, the right. end. But um, I said, hey, what happened on that first play? He goes, I just got mixed up. Coach, I was really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, away we went, you know, and he was, he was very calm and, uh, and poised. And, and uh, as I said earlier, he's a guy where um, he's, just, he's comfortable in, in that sort of setting. Okay, let's uh, return to your offensive line uh, for a moment. Uh, in your first season last year as OC, you had almost uninterrupted continuity at that front five. Not exactly the case this season. No, it really hasn't been. And, you know, Kiefer Longson is kind of a forgotten guy, a guy that's had starting and playing experience for us for two years now, and a guy that I think is a really good player. We've missed him since early in the season. Um, and then we lost, lost Tristan um, a few weeks ago. Um, and then lose Keanu and Schof in the same game. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's been a challenge for us. But at the same time, it's given where, wherever there's a, a challenge, there's an opportunity, right? And so uh, I really really felt like this, this game, the guys stepped up and, and played better as a group. And I think that's um, certainly a credit to Coach Mateos and what he's, he's done with those guys, but also the, the ability of those guys to play with a different group. 
So on the O-line, uh, of those guys you just mentioned, who's out for the year and who do you expect to be back either this week or moving forward at some point here? Well, Schof is done for sure. Um, I think Kiefer Longson maybe at some point, although we really don't have a timetable for that return. And then I think um, Keanu Saliapanga probably – Probably the most likely to get him back sooner rather than later. I don't know if that'll be this week or not. Um, and Tristan Hodge is still a little bit of an unknown as well. We we could get him back um, in a week or two, or we might not get him back at all. So mm. still still a lot of instability there and a lot of unknowns, but I feel a lot better going into another game now with a little bit more practice time knowing the situation than what we had um, prior to the Boise game. Since you bring up uh, Tristan's situation, uh, because of the time he's been out of high school already and, and, and he's had a red shirt and he's a little older, people thought, well, maybe this is his last year and he tries to maybe look next level after this. Because of his situation, do you think he still has a little more college ball in him not having gotten a full year this year? Is it too early to even speculate what he might be thinking that way? Yeah, I, I have not talked with him about that at all and, and certainly wouldn't begin to speculate what he's thinking. I would just say that I think he's got a lot left to prove, and I think okay. he's a good player who still has his best football in front of him. So having said that, I, I would certainly hope that we'd see him around here for a while. Okay. Uh, you you brought up Blake Freeland getting his first start at, uh, at a pretty important spot, and, and that, that's a potential guy because he's so tall and, and yet not maybe as heavy as he might get. Was this going to be a redshirt year for him, and is he playing just basically because of the emergency injury situation? Yeah, I think it, I think we've known all along that he's a guy that might be pressed into duty if if we um, if we lost some guys, but we didn't feel like it was a real strong possibility early in the year. Um, but he's a guy that we've continued to work with, and honestly, been impressed with his work and practice. And so part of it was us thinking we need to get him ready, but an even larger part of it, I would say, was him just really working hard to get ready. And this is a guy that two years ago was playing quarterback in high school. And so quarterback his junior year, tight end his senior year. At 6'8", right? Yeah. Okay. And so this this year, not only was this his first start, this is his first year to ever play offensive line. And so I think the sky is the limit for this guy. I really do. He And, and he stepped in, and, and they had, as I mentioned a minute ago, they had some really good players at the defensive ends. So. Well, they ran Curtis Weaver on him enough, yeah. right? And, and yeah, so for almost first, exclusively the second yeah. half, yeah. Wow, so all that said, yeah, really pleased with Blake, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I really am. I, I, I really like that kid, and I think he's just got a world of potential. That's exciting. Uh, way back in the day, uh, Mark McGuire had a brother named Dan who played quarterback, and he was a 6'10". I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, San Diego State. All right, uh, before, we got to, before you got to BYU as the OC, you'd spent your career basically as a sideline coach, but then you became a booth coach here at BYU. But then against Boise State, we saw you back at field level. So why did you want to get back downstairs and back in front of your guys down there? I just felt like our team uh, needed a little bit more something, and and uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily think I'm the guy that that has all of that or has all the answers, but I just felt like I wanted to help where I could help. And as you said, I've spent most of my career on the sidelines, and I think I think my ability to um, both challenge and encourage players in a in a face to face fashion is, is something that um, that that is a strength of mine and. You know, I started out the season on the field last year, and then when we had a, a switch in styles, went to more of a no-huddle system and went to went to Zach at quarterback. I went up in the box, and so I just felt like it was time for something a little bit different, and, um, and I enjoyed being back on the sidelines, but I would also... 
say that I couldn't do that if I didn't have other really good coaches on our staff. And so I, I can't up say top. Yeah, yeah, up top and, and on the field, but particularly up top. And I can't say enough about Aaron Roderick, who, who calls the game with me every week. We've been sitting right next to each other in the box, kind of looking at the call sheet. And mm-hmm. he might put his finger on that call and say, hey, it's a good time for that one. Or I might look at this and go, hey, what do you think about this play? And so um, he and I have been doing it together um, right next to each other. And now we just did it kind of together with me being on the field. Um, but he's called a lot of plays this year. Fessy's called a lot of plays this year. Eric Mateo, Steve Clark, AJ has had input. And so it's really been a collaborative effort the whole season anyway. Um, so I, I didn't have any qualms about going on the field, but mainly because I, tr- I really trust A-Rod and, and Steve up in the box. So since things work pretty well against Boise State, uh, are you going to stay on the field the rest of the way, or is it a week-to-week thing with you? Really hadn't talked about it, but I think there's probably a stronger chance I'll be on the field. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and by the way, A-Rod's got a, a title of pass game coordinator. You're both coordinators in a way and been working together for a long time this way, haven't you, that way? Yeah, since the beginning. And again, he's a great coach with a lot of experience, so I'd be foolish not to lean on him a lot. And and uh, like I said, um, there are other guys um, who, who have at various times throughout the season have said, hey, how about this play? Uh, the touchdown against USC comes to mind to Dax Mill, and that was one that Fessy just said, hey, how about this on this play? And I called it right away. So um, it, it's been, it really has been a group effort from the beginning, and i got a great staff. Besides the tactical part of it, just fun to be in yeah. it again? Yeah, downstairs. It is. It's way more fun to be downstairs, <laughs> for sure. As we head to break, a reminder that uh, dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, steaks to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh. American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. Coming up Saturday, it is BYU at Utah State from Maverick Stadium in Logan. BYU radio coverage begins with Cougar pregame live at 8 p.m. Eastern. The kick at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on BYU radio. Coming up next, our final segment with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and a look ahead to the Cougs and the Aggies. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 3-4 and four on the season, coming off its second bye week of this year and looking for back-to-back wins for the uh, second time this season, playing this Saturday at 4-3 and three Utah State. While BYU was off, the Aggies were uh, getting tuned up at Air Force 31-7. to seven. The uh, Falcons won that on the weekend. Offense coordinator Jeff Grimes, uh, some early week thoughts on the Aggies defensively. Well, I have a lot of respect for Gary Anderson and and um, their defensive staff. I've, I've coached against Gary at times before. When I was at Auburn before was when he was at Utah State the first time, and they came down and, yeah. and really, played a really good game us. down there. Should have yeah. beaten us, yeah. truth be told. Um, so I've got a lot of respect for him and his and the way his teams play. They always play tough, uh, always play physical, sound, well coached, um, and I and I know they'll be the same. And I'm sure they'll bounce back uh, from this game. You know, the game they just played against Air Force, it's almost kind of like you wish that hadn't happened <laughs> because you just kind of you poke the bear and, and you find out what, is, what they've really got. But, you know, either way, this, this game is going to be one that, that we know we're going to get their best shot. And so they're, they're, um, they're a defense that, that typically, and, and prior to this last week, has played well um, against the run. Uh, made things hard, um, not giving up big plays, and just been been very sound. So I, th- I think that's what we'll see. 
in Logan Saturday. Options attack is always tough to prepare for, but still, uh, Air Force's option attack is tough to prepare for, but they ran for almost 450, I think, against Utah State on the weekend. Yeah, so so much in college football is is week to week. You know, it's about matchups. It's also about motivation and, and which team is more excited to play. And, you know, one thing I've found is that the – the transitive property that that we learned in high school in math does not does not apply to college football. If A is greater than B and B is greater than C, then A is greater than C. That's not true in college football because sometimes C is greater than A, regardless of what happened the previous week. So, um, like I said, I, I have a lot of respect for them, and I'm sure we'll get their best shot. Ags have allowed 30 points or more in all three of their losses. They've allowed 24 or fewer in all of their wins. BYU right now is at 23.1 points per game on offense. You'd like it to be higher, but when BYU scores 24 or more, the Cougs are 20-3 and three in the Sitaka era. Now, 24 is not a huge number, but if you're scoring 24, you may actually go to score more. And BYU is 18-1 now, and they score 28-plus. In the Sitaka, you want to be at least probably in the high 20s, low 30s on an average, wouldn't you say? Yeah, certainly. And, and as an offensive team, you know, you you're part of a team, but you're as an offensive unit, you're you're focused on what you can do to help the team win, and and um, certainly that scores as many points as you can. I think our um, I think I think our entire team um, plays better when we play better on offense. You know, and 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 that. On one hand, it might go without saying, but I think our defense feeds off of us. And so when we score, I see a better defense on the field. And mm. so I think we're, um, we're responsible to not only score points, but to give our defense hope and life. And when we do that, then I think they feel confident and they go out and get stops and turnovers. And, and it has kind of a, a cyclical effect. I think BYU is now maybe on 18 straight wins, I think, when, when leading an average starting field position margin. And the reason I love that stat so much is because it is truly a team stat. The offense contributes to it, defense and special teams as well. And that's been a big determinant for BYU. Quick social media question here from Stephen Freeman. He says, I really like how the O-line seemed to respond to Coach Grimes being on the sideline instead of the booth. Coach, in all of your time in college football, have you ever seen an award with a cooler name than the Porter Rockwell Protector of the Week. And could you get into that a little bit? Yeah, I think that that was all Eric Mateos. I got to give him credit for that. And, you know, I think he's just – he's done a great job really relating to these guys and kind of becoming their their second dad or uncle or whatever you'd like to call them. I think he's got a great relationship with them, and I think they trust him. And um, he's he's made the game fun for them, and that's one of the things that they've taken pride in. And so every Monday, that's one thing I look forward to, is, is I always make sure I'm in the O-line meeting for the first part of that where he kind of says who gets that award and who played the best game of the week. And so um, anyway, he, he did that. He came up with that, and I think it's a really cool thing for our linemen to grab on to. And like I said earlier, I think our – I think our guys are growing and moving in the right direction. I know he has to be a dis- disciplinarian at times, but uh, is Eric the fun uncle? Can he be that too? He is the fun uncle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more more so than me for sure. Okay. Um, uh, but he he can also be the guy that snaps on him in an instant. <laughs> they kind of go, "Oh, what just happened?" So, yeah, he he gives equal parts. All right, uh, Coach. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Best of luck this weekend, in Logan. All right, thanks, Greg. All right, that is Coach Jeff Grime. BYU TV leads you into kickoff of. The Cougars in Utah State this Saturday from Maverick Stadium. Watch countdown to kickoff Saturday at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. The game on ESPN2 and BYU Radio with BYU TV returning for postgame coverage right afterward. Coming up next, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb joining us in the coordinator's corner. We are live in Studio C on BYU TV. Stay with us. Way 38 on his last boot. Hefo 
runs up to it. Now it goes over his head, muffs it. It's a muff by Hefo. Recollects it back at the 15-yard line. He's got the 20 and the 25, the 30, and outside the 30. Nice recovery there by Aleva Hefo. BYU setting up first down and 10. You're back in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We begin the second half hour of the show as we bring in BYU special teams coordinator and assistant head coach, along with linebackers coach, Ed Lamb. Ed, good to see you again. Nice to see you, Greg. Thanks. So BYU's last game was a full nine days ago. Uh, we haven't seen you in a few weeks because you were off the week before the Boise State game on this show. So a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, last we talked, BYU was 2-3 and three and heading to Tampa. Now the Cougs are 3-4 and four and on their way to Logan. So a lot's happened since we last visited. How do you like where BYU sits today? Well, I, you know, I, I think sometimes um, the, the ebb and flow of the season, the emotional part of the season, has a lot to do with the previous game. And so I, right now I feel really good about uh, the things we accomplished in our last game. And then I feel like that we're really behind the eight ball in terms of work that needs to be done to overall feel like it's been a um, satisfactory season. Heading into the Boise State game, uh, you guys were trying to shake off a tough loss in Tampa to USF. What was that week like leading up to the game with the Broncos, if you can take us back to that span of time? That was a really low point um, for, the, for the coaches and players. We felt like that every man on the team, every coach, um, had, a, had a share of the loss. And um, so there was a lot, of, um, a, lot of, a lot of difficult discussions. There were a lot of changes made. There were... Uh, you know, I think the players responded to everything, and everybody just rallied, uh, rallied together, and, and I think put a, a good product on the field. Relative to changes, what do you think among them was most effective in getting a result against Boise State? Um, uh, most effective—that's that's a difficult question, I guess. But uh, I, I would, you know, Kalani used the word before aggressiveness, and that, that can be. Defined many different ways, but I really felt like that there was a change in the aggressiveness of both our offense and defense. Mm. Uh, tactically, personnel-wise, a couple of things jump out. One of them would be uh, Diane Gomoloku. Uh, you moved him around a little bit and you put him at safety instead. Um, is that going to be a long-term decision as a defensive group, and why was it good? Uh, I think it's good uh, for a few reasons. Uh, uh, I think the emergence of D'Angelo Gunner is getting better each week. D'Angelo Mandel, some call it. D'Angelo so Mandel, yeah. thanks. Yeah. I recruited him back when he <laughs> was, was D'Lo Gunther. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, Isaiah Heron has been coming on strong and he's been healthy. So we, have, we feel like we have better uh, depth at our corner spot. Uh, Shimon Willis is another one that's really come on strong and so we have some some what we feel like is some emerging depth there and then the return of uh, Chris Wilcox here this week to practice so um, that opened up the door I think um, for Diane and then we felt like that part of that aggressiveness we wanted to bring was was moving him to safety and doing some things with him. Okay so you just bring up Chris Wilcox returning Troy Warner had already returned to practice and might have been able to get in at least was available for Boise State I think uh, and did we not see George Udo get uh, maybe activated a little bit as well? He, yeah, he's been battling some minor injuries too. He's back in full speed, but uh, especially in, in a freshman campaign, a lot, of, um, a lot of the details of the position, if, if they aren't worked on daily and weekly, can, can kind of get lost. And so he's still coming back from some of those challenges. Well, relative to Warner and maybe Wilcox particularly, are we still looking at the four-game situation for those guys and ticking off the boxes when they can play four if they get into four, that kind of thing? I hope so. Yeah, it's, it's probably not uh, the, the first priority. The first priority is to put the best product we can on the field every right. game. And uh, But we want to be smart, too. We don't want to 
We don't want to have them play uh, four games and three snaps, for example, and, and waste the opportunity for a whole year. But uh, both of those guys are team first guys, and we're going to do everything we can to maximize what they give the Cougars long term. Could this be a week Troy gets on the field at Logan? Absolutely, yeah. Troy's, okay. Troy's ready to go. I thought he was uh, looking really good in practice last week, and we feel really good about having him back too. Uh, John Wooden is uh, fond of saying uh, you, you, you can't win a game with emotionalism. Um, but, but I think you can probably count on intensity of focus and, and an abundance of energy, and I think you had that. It felt like um, it was just, I don't know, like a reinvestment or a different level of engagement against Boise State. Is that a fair assessment? Or? Yeah, I, who am I to, to disagree with John Wooden? I agree with him in, in the sense that I think – I think every team should be a reflection of their head coach. And I think guys respond and look to the head coach for for composure or excitement. And, and in John Wooden's case, he was the epitome of composure at all times. Um, coach Shitake, is, he's, he's passionate. Uh, teams win like that. Teams play like that. There are other head coaches winning national championships that, that are passionate in that way. And I thought, he, uh, I thought he led the way, and I thought the players responded with that passion. Is that the kind of thing that can be replicated, do you think, for three, four, five, six, you know, down the line? I think so. I think, they, you know, just there's a, a growth and a realization with each team that uh, who the leaders are and who are those out front leading the way. And in, in this case, we're talking about passion. And I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Coach Shitake feeds off the players and the players feed off of him. And, and I, think, uh, I think that's our challenge is to keep that going. Looking back a little bit at the Boise State game uh, itself, BYU was uh, scoreless in the second and fourth quarters, but then scored 28 points between those first and third quarters. And that third quarter was the game changer, obviously, 21 nothing, and just flipped things right around. We felt fantastic at halftime. We, we felt like we were moving the ball really well. You were down 10-7. We were, yeah. we were down 10-7, but uh, we felt like that we were getting the stops that we needed. They had an opening, opening drive where they connected on some third downs and, and some longer yarded situations, but we felt like we were creating situations that we wanted on defense. And then we felt like offensively we were able to, to run the ball and, and throw the ball, and there were, there were successes to be had. And the score wasn't right yet in terms of what, the, what it should have been. But we really felt positive about the way it was going. BYU took a 28-10 lead into the fourth quarter and it held up. What was needed to close the game with Boise State was that fourth-and-one conversion with just over two minutes to play. It was time to turn to the scrum formation again. Um, not before some timeouts and video reviews and enough time for a long discussion. How did those conversations go? You know, we, uh, our discussions on the, on the headset were the whole time to go for it, that uh, we needed a, needed a yard to win. There was too much time and too poor of field position and only a field goal needed by the opponent um, you know, to, to push the game. And so we really felt like that uh, when, it's, when it's one yard to win or one foot to win, that, uh, that we want to go for that. And we feel good about it. We've got, a, we've got a play that we've practiced. We've got the right personnel in there. It's a whole team effort. There's offensive players, defensive players on the field. And uh, when Coach Shitake felt uh, great about it, he looked in the eyes of the players and saw the same thing. Now, you're a linebacker's coach. You are a special teams coordinator. You were also the director of scrum formation, as far as I understand it. How did this become your baby, and, and uh, what's the genesis? Well, it's, um, the, the genesis is, um, you know, when, when I was a head coach at Southern Utah, we were first getting the program going, and there were there were times when we just didn't have the personnel to match up, and so we needed a we needed some things to get us going in short yardage situations. And so Steve Clark was the offensive coordinator, and and we ran that back then as an offensive play, and it became something we used successfully in four minute drills and short yardage situations. And then um, and then here the the first time we used it, we used it as as kind of a 
field goal substitution look. And so we wanted the opponent to think that the field goal team was coming out. And, and the first time we used that was against the University of Utah. And, and they had to, to kind of scramble into a defensive formation out of their field goal block unit. So there's a special teams component. To there's it. a special teams component to it. And then uh, and then our offensive staff and Coach Shitake have just been really, you know, I think I think pleased with the direction and think it adds something, complements something to the offense. But it's always something we need to be careful about. We don't. We don't want uh, in any way to, to send a message that it's that it's not complementary to our offense, or that there's not that our offense is incapable of those situations. It's something that's um, hard for the opponent to prepare for, and hopefully adds something to the whole team. Uh, it has some different personnel possibilities and multiple ball carrying options. Actually, Capensis on the keeper has been the most consistent, but we've seen Dian score a touchdown off it, for example. How do you go about figuring out the best way to run that play out of what might look like one look? Yeah, it's really about taking a, a first look at what the opponent is is giving us, and then what the situation is. You know, like in the in the situation for the game there, I don't like taking the ball off the line of scrimmage. You know, you have to snap it, and so the ball has to come off mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage a little bit. But in terms of a shotgun snap or what a lot of offenses are built for, we just feel like the 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 closer we can keep it to the line of scrimmage and move forward for positive yardage, the better. And so, even though we have some more plays out of that. Really, the, the bread and butter of that play is the quarterback sneak. Anytime Kyrus Tonga gets on the field on offense, it's, it's, it's a bit of a headline, and he gets on the field in this formation. Yeah. Uh, how nice is it? Well, if he's used as the momentum safety net at the back, that's not a bad guy to have, is it? No, he, he, uh, the way we say it is, um, you know, Austin secure the football, and he did, and he does a great job of that Austin consensus, but then um, Austin's carrying the football, uh, Kyrus is carrying Austin and the football. <laughs> and then Diane, he decided to get in on that too, and he's the one who actually lifted it for the final push. And uh, you, you operate that with a couple of wings. With Peyton, we mentioned one of your linebackers, Peyton Wilgar, gets in there as well. He does, yeah. Okay. Uh, fun to, and and more, than, more than just an interesting thing, it's a, it's a productive thing and actually a game stealing thing for BYU against Boise State. All right, uh, time for a break. When we come back, uh, Coach Lamb on the Cougars' gift for thievery in the 2019. And we look back at some uh, more players of the week from BYU's last game as the coordinator's corner continues right here on BYU TV inside Studio C. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. Bailey's Moving and Storage. More than just a move. Siegfried and Jensen. Serving Utah families for over 25 years. Back on the Coordinator's Corner, we visit with BYU's special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. BYU coming off its second bye week with Utah State coming up on tap in uh, Logan this Saturday. So it's BYU's second open week in three weeks. A little unusual, but every team dealing with multiple bye weeks this season. Any difference in how uh, the staff and team have handled uh, the byes from the first one to the second one here in October? I thought our first bye week, we we put an emphasis on getting the players back uh, healthy. We practiced with a lot of speed and... um, and, and then, uh, you know, it didn't turn out the way that we wanted to. And so I think we want to get a little more physical in our preparations. I think um, when things, when the result is not as, as we would want, then just change for change's sake can be good. And so we want to send a clear message to the players that we, we expect a different result in the way that we play, a different result in the way that we coach, and, and we're going to do some things different in this bye week. Was the practice week ahead of Boise State also a little more physical than maybe it had been? As well, it, it was, and and I thought I'll give credit to the players on that. Uh, mm-hmm. They they made a decision um, after that uh, uh, loss at South Florida 
uh, that they were going to compete and practice hard. And uh, and that was the most important thing to them, not the outcome of the next game, but just the way that they practiced. And that meant some hitting and taking to ground and stuff like that? I mean, we're talking... It is. Yeah, I think, you know, we we want them to stay off the ground, and they want to keep each other off the ground. But, uh, you know, I think there, there still can be um, fantastic contact-level preparation without going to the ground. Uh, one of the strong suits for BYU this season has been ball security on offense combined with tenacity on defense. BYU's finished with a positive turnover margin five times in seven games. The Cougs have had three turnover-free games. Not surprisingly, BYU 3-0 in those games. Now defensively, BYU's top 40 in takeaways, top 15 in defensive interceptions as well. Yeah, you know, some of that, you know, last year we we took a dip in those numbers and, um, you know, we were we – were, um, we, we made a point of emphasis for that. But the other thing I'll say is that we've played a lot of defensive snaps. And so I think, you know, sometimes um, chasing after stats can get dangerous in, in that way. You know, we want, to, we want to make sure and just play our style of defense. And if the opponent gives us an opportunity or is reckless with the ball, then we want to take every advantage. I think our linebackers up to this point have done a really nice job keeping their eyes on the quarterback, and we've got some interceptions. Uh, of BYU's nine defensive interceptions on the season, eight have come courtesy of linebackers. Uh, against Boise State, to two more linebacker picks, and each from siblings in this case, Isaiah and Jackson Kofusi. Yeah, that was great to see uh, uh, those guys. And of course, we don't we don't think about it much until after the game. Right. Who's making the interceptions? But uh, it's what's been really good about that linebacker group is there's a lot of guys that uh, roll through the game. They keep each other healthy. They keep each other fresh, and and they're they're delivering. You know, each each guy has really played pivotal roles in in uh, the success that the defense has had in our victories. Jackson Kafusi's INT, by the way, particularly huge because BYU scored a touchdown two plays later. If there had been one thing lacking maybe after the Cougs' sudden change plays this season, it had been the scores after takeaways, something opponents have been doing a lot of this season. Turnovers gained are great. Uh, points after turnovers are even better. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the mark of, a, mark of a team that really is fighting together for victory. I think, um, you know, sometimes when um, when on a, on a team that's not very successful, a, a defensive stop can lead to offense not being super motivated. It's almost like two separate teams and, and, uh, and, and vice versa. The offense will score on a poor team and then, and then the defense will go out and give up a score. I think just putting back-to-back series together of stops, whether that be takeaways, whatnot, a good special team series, a good offensive series, that's the mark of a veteran team. Before we put the Boise State game totally to bed, we're going to look back and recognize some players of the game from that contest on both special teams and defense. Special teams player of the week for you was Skylar Southam. Skylar Southam and the whole kickoff team. I thought that was really the the unit that shined the most on special teams. Skylar put the ball in the corner, a very dangerous kickoff return man, um, and he was able to put the ball in the corner with great hang time, and we got some some, uh, Boise State with some really deep starting field position, forced them into some bad decisions to bring the ball out of the end zone and, and off of their own, inside their own five from the corner of the field. And then all the kickoff guys did a great job of running down and finishing off the play. Defensive players of the week were Kyrus Tonga and Diane Gomoliku. Yeah, the, the, you know, Kyrus is always a physical player. He always gets pushed. The difference to me in this game was that he was, he was throwing his body um, I heard Coach Olmstead with women's volleyball talk uh, last week or maybe the week before, but she was talking about how they're so good with their digs. And she said, you know, we, we have a philosophy, you don't know until you throw or you don't know until you go, something like that. And it struck me that football defensively is like that too. Sometimes you guys don't realize the tackles that they can make if they would just throw their body recklessly in front of the runner. And he did a great job of that in the game. 
I saw a nose tackle for the Chiefs last night chase down Aaron Rodgers and literally throw his body at Rodgers at the sideline to make a play that I didn't think he could make because how big he is. Yeah, and it's contagious. You know, Lorenzo Fautea had, a, had one on our sideline in the Boise State game too. So love to see those big guys run and throw their body. All right, time again for a break. And as we do, this reminder that for your day-to-day Cougar sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up on our final segment of this week's show, Coach Lamb helping us preview this Saturday's game at Utah State. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, back with more right after this. Excited for the reboot. The team back in our final segment of the Coordinator's Corner for this week here in Studio C. This Saturday, it is 3-4 BYU at 4-3 Utah State. The Aggies coming off a 31-7 shellacking at the hands of the Air Force Falcons. Special teams coordinator Ed Lamb with us. Uh, Coach Lamb, uh, what do you make uh, of the Aggies, particularly on their offense? Uh, they're, they're a really good football team. I, you know, I don't put much stock in uh, what happened at Air Force. That was a uh, you know, cold, windy um, game that, that may have taken some of the steam out of uh, Air Force's offense, but also or, or out of um, Utah State's offense. But Air Force, this is, I watched the game on television and now on video. I think this is the best Air Force team that I've ever seen. Mm. They're, they're, they're really strong offensively, defensively. Special teams do a great job. So... You know, Utah State dropped one, and that that happens. And might have been, you know, if the game had been played on a different day at a different time, they, I think they would have competed much better. But it's a team that has our full attention. They've absolutely uh, worked us the last two years, and um, it's um, it's an important business for us. Their quarterback Jordan Love uh, has more INTs than TDs right now. He's never been real a real running threat. Um, last year, though, uh, through the air, uh, very efficient, uh, had accounted for four, uh, five touchdowns, four of them through the air, ran for one as well. Uh, what do you see out of the guy that makes that thing go in, in Jordan Love right now? He's the same guy. I think, I think as a whole offense, you know, maybe from the coaching staff on through, they're, they're trying to find out their identity. They're, they're running the same formations and the same plays that they ran. I think uh, Jordan's still the guy that, that makes him uh, tick and, and go, but uh, you know, they just, I think, have to find their rhythm. We, we've gone through some of the same issues you know, with our offense, uh, who's playing at what positions and who are their guys to get the ball at what time and how much run and pass and which sets up the other. And, and they're still working through some of that. Um, but uh, you know, we've, we've got to make sure that they're still working through it when they play us. A couple of good running backs, uh, number one, Bright, number 20, Warren, both guys averaging better than five yards per carry right now. Yeah, they're, they're a really uh, capable team in all facets. They've got good receivers, good running backs, a good quarterback. I mean, they're in, in all ways, they're a real threat offensively. Seemed to me that uh, BYU kind of leaned into Boise State having beaten BYU uh, three times in a row. It didn't shy away from it. Kalani was happy to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, it means something when a team beats you three in a row. Now, Utah State's won back-to-back games against BYU, and they, had, they last won three in a row back in the early 70s. So not a big deal once the ball is snapped, maybe. But can you appeal uh, to the players' uh, sense of pride as you prep for a game? And, you know, is there value in using rivalry and history to, to get a team ready to play? I think, I think of course, yeah, we, we have to set the table. We have to let the guys know. They're young guys with a lot on their minds. They've got uh, tremendous pressures and distractions, and and so we, we want them to know the history. They don't. Every guy that's playing a key role this year wasn't on the field last year, and so we have to let them know the history, let them know the trends, and then and in the end, it's going to be them that decides are they hungry enough to fight for a victory. Now, this last question for you is kind of a, a question that dealing with BYU's offense, but I think you can you can speak to it. This will be the last thing we talk about. So much of BYU's success this season was I think predicated on Zach Wilson being a big part of it. So not only has he gone out, but Jaron Hall's gone out. You got down to a number three against a number 14-ranked team, and you won that game. What does it say about BYU that, that you've been able to do what you've been doing 
even with personnel being the way it's been, especially? I think it shows the, the toughness of a team. Um, you know, a, a tough team doesn't always have to be good, and we haven't been good enough uh, this season. We, we, we want to be better. We have to be better. We're working to be better. But uh, what tremendous toughness for the guys to not give up on each other and to go out and fight for the win, and that's what we need to do again this week. All right, BYU and Utah State uh, in Logan this Saturday. It's rare that these teams play in uh, November. Usually it's a conference weekend thing. Only seven times have the Cougars and Aggies met in the month of November. But uh, BYU 7-0 in the month of November against Utah State. We'll try and keep that one going. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay. All right, thanks. That'll do it for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Next week, we visit with Coach Lamb and defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. For coaches Ed Lamb and Jeff Grimes today, I'm Greg Grubel. We'll see you again next Monday right here in Studio C here at BYU TV. It is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Have a great week. Go Cougs.